Life Audio. The Ryan Reese Show from Southern California. This is The Ryan Reese Show. Post your questions using at Ryan Reese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Are you ready? Ready. All right, it is going down this Saturday night. I'm in studio. For some of you guys that are uh, on the radio listening to this, we are actually on YouTube where you can actually see. And I have Hannah Fellers in studio. Hannah, you have been a friend of mine for many years. Um, you married uh, one of the pro skateboarders, part of Circa Footwear, the team I used to manage. And a lot of you guys that know my testimony, I got saved. Uh, I gave my life to Christ in a hotel room on tour, and her husband, uh, now husband, was actually on that tour. And one of the ones that found me in the hotel. But today... The story is not about myself. We're going to talk about you, but that is the connection that we have known each other for a very long time. And you see me in my worst time, and you see me now what God's doing. But getting to know you um, back then and even now, you have an incredible uh, story, a testimony, but also you've been a part of amazing ministries. Um, for many, many years. And I think the world needs to know about these. And some of these ministries, uh, the world does know about, uh, which one of them is Passport to Freedom. It's a ministry that, uh, goes to favelas, to the slums in Brazil, which if you guys don't know about this, there's actually a movie that came out, a mainstream picture film about that. And it is crazy in those areas. And, uh, it's a, you guys uh, reach out for human trafficking, but also go and do work within these really crazy neighborhoods. Then you also work for Slave to Nothing, which you're an officer there, and you're the founder of Passport to Freedom, and you're an officer of Slave to Nothing, which is an In-N-Out uh, Burger Foundation. And uh, now you're doing all kinds of awesome stuff with with that. And what, what do they work with besides addiction? So. We have the two prongs, so it's substance abuse and human trafficking. Okay. And we partner with organizations in the markets where In-N-Out Burger does business, so we want to be present in the communities and help make them stronger, safer, better places to live. Mm -hmm. And we do that by partnering with organizations, so we give a large amount to organizations in those areas to help support their work. Awesome, awesome. And those ministries and organizations and different people need the funds because they're constantly out doing the business and you've guys created a great platform and you also just have a 75th anniversary party um at the pomona fairgrounds which you guys have adopted now or sponsor or you know took over the raceways which is amazing because Lindsay, the owner races it's in her family blood line of of racing and you guys had a huge 75th anniversary with a slave to nothing concert as well massive i mean there was thousands and thousands of people there yeah. and you guys had uh zz top 311 you had the uh, 48 special band yeah. which is the in and out band and um just an amazing thing raising money raising awareness to get back into the community. And it was packed, and that event was sold out. Yeah. Like, I don't know, was it like hours or a couple days or something? It was like weeks before. It, it was sold, sold out. out. Yeah. It was sold it out. was done, the whole thing. So in and out always doing awesome stuff, and now here you are as an officer. Tell me about Passport to Freedom as well a little bit. I know we're going to get more into it, mm-hmm. but, but let's let the audience know about the Passport to Freedom too. Yeah, so I was traveling with a missions organization called Impact World Tour. Mm-hmm. For seven years I was with them, and during that time I went to Brazil, 
And because of my story and background, I'd never really seen poverty at that type scale before. Mm -hmm. So it just significantly impacted my life. I saw young boys, four or five year olds, like walking around without supervision. You see eight, nine-year-old boys carrying rifle guns, protecting the illegal drug trade. You see young girls just lining up on streets, getting into cars. And, you know, at that time, I didn't fully understand what I was seeing. But now, obviously, I know the scope of it, what happened. How young are girls down there? I mean, you're talking like under 18. Yeah, way, 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 way younger. Okay, do you, what was that movie that came out about the City of God? City of God mm-hmm. that came out years ago, and I remember mm-hmm. seeing that movie, and I was my mind was blown. Does it do it justice? That film? Um, yeah, I think I think it definitely talks to like the drug lords yeah. running neighborhoods yeah. and things like that, yeah, like the dark um, side. But the scope of how large these slums are is, yeah, it's unreal. And you guys actually go down there. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember you guys invited me, and I was like, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Your cousin went, though, I know. to help security, and that yeah, was cool. Yeah, well, he's yeah. A, a Marine and all those other things. I'm yeah. like, he's a, yeah, he's an army. So, but no, that's awesome. And you guys have been doing that for many, many, many years. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we're going we're gonna to get more into detail of all the amazing things that you have been doing with those two uh, nonprofits, one that you're the founder of, mm-hmm. and now that you're the officer of the Slave to Nothing. And I want to hear awesome stories, but... How you even got a heart to do something like this? Because, I mean, obviously this is on Christian radio and we're Christians, but um, you, you don't naturally just want to help people for the most part, right? I mean, there, there are you – do, you do help people sometimes, but you don't have that overwhelming like want to go help people unless you have Christ in you mm-hmm. because Christ – heart is to help people and to do good and to help people that don't have money and that are homeless or don't have food or it's just I don't know for me it feels like since I became a Christian like I was I would help people here and there you know if they needed money here's 20 bucks whatever you know but when I became a Christian it's like that that want to help people has just like magnified Mm -hmm. it increased it's to the point to where now I've dedicated my life to trying to help people because I know I was jacked up and God helped me and you in the same way, you're dedicating your life to help people in all different aspects with these uh, nonprofits that you're a part of. Mm -hmm. But how, and this is why I want to get into your story so people can have a background. Um, how did you grow up and where, what country did you come from? Yeah. <laughs> Are you American? <laughs> yeah. You could be. <laughs> I could be. My English is okay, you it's know. really good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I have a really unique story. I actually was abandoned at a public, at a public staircase in South Korea. Um, just a few weeks old, was found by a policeman. Like you're just sitting there in a box? and a, I mean just, I'm just a little baby in like the basket type in thing. In a basket. Similar. You know, people hear those yeah. stories like yeah. that was me. And, you know, I always say, like, God had a purpose for my life. Someone safe found me and brought me to a children's home, then to an adoption agency. At nine months, I was adopted to Norway in mm-hmm. Europe. So, mm-hmm. you know, blue-eyed, blonde-haired people, you know, Asian person there, grew up in that <laughs> environment, <been> <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. But my parents loved the Lord. And yeah. at a super young age, they taught me about Jesus, taught me about just purpose in my life. Yeah. And so... When you grow up like that, you know that there's more than just yourself, right? Right. 
And so I, I grew up in that and just was really involved in my community growing up. And uh, we actually had this thing called Impact World Tour that came to my school. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about Jesus. And I was like, whoa. That's... Wait, to the public school or Christian school? No, public school. Really? They, in yeah. Norway? Yeah. Hmm. Impact World Tour. And so they came to my school, and I was like, wow. That was the first time, you know, like when you grow up in a church, a lot of the times you don't really see young people speaking, you know? Yeah, Because yeah, it's like the pastor or whoever. And that was the first time, like, because I had grown up in church. That was the first time I ever saw, like, someone my age on the microphone really talking about God. And I was like, that's so cool. Like, I want to do that. And so I got engaged with them, and they were doing a lot of different things. And so they were going into inner cities. They were teaching arts. They were doing skating, dancing, all that stuff. And I was really into all of the arts. I was going to a, a specific art school at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I was, like, dancing, doing all those things. And I was like, wow, you can use these tools to, like, share the gospel, help people, um, you know, travel the world. And so uh, I got in touch with them, and they were like, hey, we're looking for people to go to Amsterdam. And I was like, okay, like, I'll, like, write a letter to my principal, like, to be able to go while I was in high school. Yeah. So that I went on that trip, and that's the first time I ever saw the red light district in Amsterdam. I saw, you know, just a whole different world because Norway is a very, very safe country. Yes. We're still a kingdom there. Like, the king takes care of his people. You know, it's a very safe and good place to grow up. So, you know, I didn't even grow up really seeing homeless people. Mm -hmm. You know, you knew that there was someone in your town that was struggling, but not like what you see in Amsterdam or other places, right? So just open my world up to this whole other idea of people struggling. I want to jump in here for a minute. Um, First of all, I love the fact that this organization was able to go into a public school. Mm -hmm. And I also love the fact that I never thought about it, but when you go to church, it's always the pastor. But here you're seeing these this young group of people mm-hmm. that are a little bit older than you yeah. or is the same age, a little bit older, and they're going out and they're doing ministry their way, and you get inspired mm-hmm. by it. Mm-hmm. And then that opened the door for you to actually be able to get involved and do something with your faith. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like a lot of young people, they want to do something. Yeah. You know, like they hear about what Jesus did and they know the Bible and they go to church, but they want to actually do something. And there's not not ever really normally a place for them. But here's a place that opened the door for you to to get involved. And then you went out and that's what exposed you to what was really going on in the world. And that red light district is is I mean, prostitution's legal. They, what they call window shopping. You can yeah. see the windows. Mm-hmm. Drugs are legal. Mm-hmm. I mean, coming from Norway, you must have been like. This place exists? This is legal? Uh-huh. I mean, blown away. Yeah. So so is that the, did you start touring with them? Is that, that turned into like a whole worldwide tour? Yeah. So then as soon as I, so after that trip, I was so yeah. impacted. Yeah. My dad was always like, you need to go to college and get a degree, okay. you know, you. like yeah. things like that. That's very typical, like Norwegian upbringing, you yeah. know, as most people. Yeah, totally. Um, and I was like, well, I just really feel like God's calling me to be a part of this ministry. They're going to Brazil. They're going to all these places. And I just, I loved culture. Yeah. And because like in Norway, there wasn't a lot of that, you yeah. know, and I really fell in love with like hip-hop and music and like all skateboarding like i was like this is super cool right and so this this group was doing all of that and going into different areas into both slums and like stadiums preaching the gospel going into schools Mm -hmm. and so i was like i want to join that so i my dad was like okay you can take a year 
joined them, which ended up being seven years. It turned into seven years. But during that time, I also started school because right. I was like, I'm really, really passionate about some of these issues that I've seen, right? Now I understood like, hey, human rights, like something's going on in certain areas, right? And right. so after seeing those kids in Brazil, I was like, how is this even, how is no one helping these people? These kids are left on the streets by themselves. Like that could have been me if it, I was, yeah. you know, yeah. not found by the right person, yes. right? There's a million things that could have happened. Right? And I was just like thinking, God, like, okay, you brought me to a safe place from a young age. I remember being like four or five years old, feeling like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. Mm -hmm. So like grew up in that faith, never departed from it, and just was always like, okay, there's a purpose for my life. I need to do something for God, right? So when you were when you were there, the first time you uh, encountered the slums, um, mm -hmm. what are they called again? Favela slums. The favela yeah. slums, yeah. yeah. How old were you? I was 18. 18. Yeah. So what was it, that encounter going from Norway? Because Norway is a very clean, nice mm -hmm. country. So you go there. I mean, what? What? I mean, you're seeing these young kids. What were you thinking? You just, I mean, did, did you guys have any like bad encounters there? Or oh, how, yeah. how were you guys treated being there 18 years old in this neighborhood? You guys stood out like sore thumbs, obviously. The thing about Impact World Tour is mm -hmm. that they always work with locals. Right. And so we had, you know, all of our people there that kind of brought us in because you can't just roll up in a favela. No, you no get way. shot. Yeah. Like, They'll be like, who are these people, you know? Right. So we had already had people that were working there that had been going there doing ministry within the favelas that brought us in right. to do, like, assemblies out of school. Yep. And, yeah, I have multiple stories from that where people bring guns, like, trying to kill some of our team members because they were photographers. And, you know, if they take photos of them dealing drugs, you know, they get paranoid. Absolutely. And so, like, there's so many stories that happen in the favelas where just, like, God protected us and we were able to, like, talk to people, help people, and, yeah, get involved there. And so, Wow. Okay. So then you leave – so then you leave back there and you're going, you're going to school mm -hmm. during this time. Doing part-time school, part-time that ministry. So what what was the next step in your in your life, like where God was leading you during this time? And you were dating Sierra at this time? Yeah, well... Did you met him like, on a tour, right? No. So his brother was a leader at okay. Impact World Tour or okay. GX. And um, so it was kind of like I was actually flying from... I had been in Australia doing Impact oh, World yeah, Tour. Oh, yeah, that's right. And I was flying. I was flying to Chicago. And so because I'm Norwegian, we work with 24 hours, like military time, right? Oh, right, yeah. So I didn't know like the AM, PM thing. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I had booked my flight not realizing I had like a gnarly layover, like overnight yeah. layover. And so then I was like, right before I left, I was like, shoot, I'm staying in LA. Like, what am I going to, and my leaders, because I was like 19 at that time, yeah. 1920. They're like, dude, you're not staying there by yourself. Like, that's not safe. You're flying in by yourself, whatever. So they were like, hey, Jesse's brother moved out there for skating. He's a safe person, someone you could trust right. that could help you out. Yeah. So that's how and that's, met. And that's right. That's how you met him. Yeah. So you got introduced to him. I mean, and you guys, you know, hung out for the day. And, and was it love at first sight? I'm telling you, it was love at first sight. That's amazing. We really, like, we met. And we because we knew so many of the same people. Right, yeah. Because he was had been a part of yeah. Impact World Tour in the past. Yeah. We were like, it felt like we were old friends. Yeah. And I think... At that time in his life, too, he was really like, hey, like, I need a safe person. I need someone to, like, pray with or talk with right. and, you know, things that he yeah. was going through. Yeah. And so yeah. we just clicked. We literally, like, it was love at first sight, and we prayed together that day. And we just, like, I 
keep saying, I knew then. Is it? We we I always quote this quote that like, I got it from uh, our, my pastor Chuck Smith, and he says, you know, God does use the uh, extraordinary in the ordinary. Like He does the supernatural mm. in the natural realm, and it's like that was such a he did a supernatural work to get you to meet your husband, but he used the the natural thing of like just not being able to read the time right. <laughs> like it's yeah. like that sounds so dumb, and like but God did it. It was perfectly orchestrated because you don't know the, you know, the, the difference between the, the, you know, military and the other time that we use, um, <laughs> that you missed your flight. And then God's like, that's what I'm using to connect you. Mm-hmm. And then you guys, you know, long story short, you guys ended up getting married, but so that's cool. So at that time he was here in California yeah. and he was skating and then you're with still, you. yeah, with me touring around. Yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. you're, and then you're still touring. So then where, um, what, where'd you end up going after that? So you were still, you were going to school. Mm-hmm. And you were doing this ministry just all over. Because I remember you guys would be all over the place. Because you were a dancer. Yeah. You were dancing in it. I was dancing in it. And then I moved up to program director oh, after okay. a couple years. Got it. So that meant, meant like basically laying out the shows. Right. Putting all this. So we would do like dancing, skateboarding. We would bring on like MCs. We'd do like, you know, BMX riders. Everything. Like mo- we did motocross in some countries. You know, big presentations. Just basically showing the showing the gospel right. with all these elements. Do you guys still, does that still exist? It does. And it's it still, and what's it called again? Impact World Tour. Impact World. Mm-hmm. It's still, it's still touring. They're still touring. I think they're also kind of more focused on schools and like yep. assemblies and stuff. Yep. Um, I don't know if they do like the same big campaigns. Like we did, like right. when, when we rolled up in Brazil and Fiji, there were like 15, 18,000 no people way. that would go to these events. Wow. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know what? Times change. And then even with COVID and everything, too, mm-hmm. that shut down a lot of people's ministries from the way they did things. Yeah. From big events to going smaller and more focused, you know. Yeah. But, okay, so then what So what happened after, uh, so what led you, so now you're getting educated on how to actually produce, you know, the big picture stuff. Mm-hmm. So how'd that lead you to wanting to get involved with um, Passport to Freedom? Yeah. Or even starting it? Yeah, right? yeah. So I think after seeing kind of how all that worked and seeing the skate industry and kind of like some of those pieces, how people are just really drawn to certain things, right? right. I was like, okay, the idea with Passport to Freedom was like we wanted to spread awareness about what was going on in these slums and like the issue of human trafficking. Mm-hmm. So throughout my studies, all of that, I really dove into the issue and just was so blessed to learn from some of the forerunners in this movement. So I actually went on to do my master's. And so mm-hmm. during that time, I was writing my thesis, my master's the- mm-hmm. thesis. And I was researching organizations and leaders in the movement that had been around for 10 years or more, which the anti-trafficking um, kind of like the protect protection and all of the federal government, the putting together an act happened in 2000. Mm-hmm. So it's a fairly new, you know, slavery has been around forever. Right. But human trafficking as a term that kind of came out in early 2000. Right. And so I was looking for someone that had been around that understood really like the formation, like how do we fight this issue? And I met this guy named Aaron Cohen and he started an organization called Abolish Slavery mm-hmm. and just he kind of took me on a little bit like he as like he was my mentor I learned a lot from him and then I met this ministry called Zoe International mm-hmm. and yep. so um going from Impact World Tour I went into Slave to Nothing uh, no into Zoe as I graduated school and all that I traveled to Thailand interviewed them about T- their tell anti me about Thailand. 
Yeah, so I went to um, Thailand. Now it's story time, Kay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, with Sierra. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We went together, yeah, yeah. and um, it was just like our church was involved with that. I had just started really diving into human rights and all, all mm-hmm. of like human trafficking, and so I was like, I want to go see. And so uh, we went there and just saw the way that they're like God's just blessed that ministry. That's a an amazing ministry and um they help with rescue operations so they they provide intel they do they do a lot of like surveillance um collaborate with local law enforcement so they built years and years of relationship with right. local law enforcement right to be able to find people and people fly in there from russia from the united states all over that run these child trafficking rings and Zoe's been a part just finding the right kind of law enforcement to collaborate because, you know, there's so much corruption in like more of like a yeah, yeah. developing nation. Right. right and so right. they just really found trustworthy people that are in it for the right reason mm-hmm. and built relationship with them and have been a part of hundreds, thousands. So of, yeah, what happens in, in Thailand just for like the person that's listening and going, yeah. wait, what? Child and trafficking? So what? what is going on? What is common, I guess, in this industry? Is it your, like, do guys fly in from different countries mm-hmm. to to be with children, basically? Mm-hmm. And it's legal. Yeah. Well, it's not legal. It's not legal, but it's, 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 it's possible, pretty easily possible. Yeah. Especially back then. It was like you could literally walk down the street. Like the founders always always tells the story of like you basically could go and get a menu, a menu, uh huh, and and buy a child for the night. What the see? That's, I, I, my that's mind's blown. Thailand, I've never heard of this stuff. That's what Thailand was like at I, the time. I always hear the word human trafficking, mm-hmm. but that's so you you go into a, a place. Mm-hmm. Like a karaoke bar, you know. Really? Like pedophiles that come there, they yeah. know all the different right. ways of finding. Obviously, because of the Trafficking Victims Protective Act coming out and people started monitoring and laws, it's definitely gone underground. Like, you can't really do that anymore. But if you are looking for it, you will find it. And then who were these children? Were these children, like, were they homeless kids that they took in? Or were they, like, your parents, like, sell them to the... It, all of the above. All of the above. A- anything. You know, they traffickers. This is would go, insane. Traffickers would go into the villages and basically say, "I'll give your child education." You know, they're barely surviving, right? Just living off the land, and here someone comes saying, "I'll provide school. I'll provide opportunities for your child," and parents don't know any better, like think that that that's actually what's going to happen. They're, they're little simple-minded village people, not even yeah. thinking. And like even saying like oh they'll send money like they'll do a little bit of work they get to go to school they'll send some send some money home to you guys you know so without knowing these parents think they're doing you know their kids a favor helping them and that's not reality yeah that is that is so crazy so you went down during that time yeah so right right um, like early like. After me and my husband got married, yeah. uh, we we went to to Thailand and got involved with Zoe, and then pretty soon after that, I joined their staff. So I was with Zoe for seven years before seven coming years. on to Slate to Nothing. Yeah. Okay. So oh, so Zoe Passport to Freedom. That's well, that's separate. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so you're with Zoe. Yeah. For seven years, and then when did Passport to Freedom start? Yeah. So kind of during that time, I was 
studying and figuring out, kind of learning about the anti-trafficking movement, I um, saw kind of a gap. You know how like Tom's, they do like the shoe, the one for one, like things like that. I was like, what if we do apparel where we get all the proceeds for the apparel, like or all the costs for the apparel, and then we sell apparel that will go back to programming to help these favela sums that I had seen. Back to okay, so Mm -hmm. now you're going back with that to the yeah. So passport to freedom focuses on the favelas, and so I was like, I I don't really see people doing that in the space at the time. So this was in 2010. Yeah. So that's when passport to freedom started, and then because of different relationship that I had through like my husband and you know being in the industry, I guess like having friends in Hollywood and things like that. They were like, oh, there's this really cool thing called Eco Fashion Week mm-hmm. in Vancouver. And they showcase brands that are doing awareness and things like that. And so we got invited to participate in that. Awesome. So we launched this whole like fashion line line and organization. And at that time, uh, there was this couple that we were working with in Brazil. And they had just kind of decided to move into a new favela. So where the old landfill in Rio de Janeiro was, that's where they're moving in. Just so literally people are living in garbage, in self-built homes, little kids running around in this garbage. And there was no schools, no places for these kids to go. And I was like, let's build a community center. And so through the fundraising, like through selling clothes and me going out speaking, connecting with different people in the industry, we were able to build a community center there. Are you serious? Yeah. So That's we, amazing. Yeah. And it happened like it was our 10 year goal as an organization. And within six years, God really? was like. Here's the funding. And wow, so, that's incredible. So, yeah. And I actually haven't seen it yet because of COVID. Oh yeah. So we're right. we're planning our trip. Yeah. Our trip. Wow, that is, inc- and, and it's in a it's in a a, a dump, an old dump, mm-hmm. and that's just the way they live in those. Yeah. So we purchased land, cleaned it all out, and built a community center. Wow, that is incredible. Mm-hmm. So we're now, what's what's the what's happening at that community center now? Yeah. So this couple is still running it. So they do all different programming there. So it's called Passport to Freedom. It came from the idea of learning from them that some of these children are just born in the slum and not really registered anywhere. Right. You think about. Yeah. Right. right. You yeah. think about slums where there's no, you know, no government really ruling because the drug lords run these slums. Yeah. And so I was like, how do we help them get identification papers? How do we help them get education? get resources because once you grow up in that all the kids aspire to be a drug lord right because that's That's what what they they see see. and so we're like how do we introduce other ways of living we were running a recycling program we were running like just arts and education and woodworking just different things to show these kids that there's a different way wow that is that's just incredible you know you think about as you grow up all the opportunities that we've had and just Mm -hmm. The, the, the simple stuff like what they would die for is clean water, a bed to sleep in, just these little simple things. They're just running around. I mean, I, I saw that one movie. Um, it's that one is, is about what took place in India. Mm. That, I forget what it was called, but that was also another crazy movie. It was just showing about the, the growing up in those those areas and the dumps and just crazy, crazy stuff. But then here... You know, this love in your heart that God puts to help people. Again, that's not natural to go out and, and want to dedicate your life and, and to do all this stuff. Yeah, you want to help people, but you've made it a goal in your life to do this and you've had high impact. Mm-hmm. And it's just, a, it's just a beautiful 
thing to say. I can't I can't believe I didn't realize you guys made that that um that community center. So awesome. So we're going to be going to a break in a minute. I have H- Hannah, Hannah Fellers in studio, um, the uh, founder of Passport to Freedom and officer of Slave to Nothing, which is an In-N-Out foundation. And you were part of, uh, for, for seven years, you were part of um, Zoe. Mm-hmm. Zoe Minute. Is it called Zoe? What's yeah. it called? Zoe? Zoe International. Zoe International. And then seven years with Impact World Tour for that. Yep. That's how old You've I am. You've been doing it. You know, I'm that old. You are that, but yeah. you don't look that old. <laughs> like it's real gray hair. It's, you know, it's real. Hey, you people know. dye their hair like that. You know, <laughs> they, they actually dye. That's I that. own it, right? You know, that's a, that good. was a fashion. You know, yeah. I, my, I was actually looking at my hair today. I got a couple popping up. You know, <laughs> here they come. So awesome. All right. Well, we're gonna be back um, in a minute. I do want to update you guys. Go to thewhosoevers.com. We are touring schools. We do prevention. We go into the public schools and we let people know about Jesus and let them know that God can change their life. They don't have to live a life of, of being depressed, suicidal. Maybe they come from broken homes, which is very common. In California, it's like more than half of the uh, people in school come from broken homes. It's, it's, it's a crazy thing. And then, um, but God has a plan for them. Um, we're not offering them um, you know, a perfect life, but we are offering them a relationship with Christ. And through that relationship with Christ, God will start changing their heart and their mind desires. And that stuff that they're battling with, God will, will give them solutions and he'll take away stuff that is destroying them in their life as he makes them a new creation of Christ. So I would encourage you guys to get on our website, contact us, book us. We also have products that you could purchase that support our movement. And uh, if you want to donate, that's cool too. Um, Our main mission is the great commission to go into the public schools the battleground where they're getting indoctrinated with crazy stuff and social media is destroying their minds. So we want to let them know that God loves them. All right. We'll be back in two minutes after the break. Peace. More of the Ryan Reese show coming up. Post your questions at Ryan Reese on his Instagram, Twitter, and or Facebook. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Show. All right. So right before the break, we were just talking with uh, Hannah Fellers, Hannah Fellers, to be exact, from Norway. 
And um, she has a radical testimony how uh, she was actually left um, outside in uh, South Korea um, and abandoned. And thank God someone that had a heart got you, took you in, and then you end up getting adopted uh, several months after to Norway to a Christian family, which is very interesting because Christians in Norway – I mean, are they, that's not really a common thing. They exist, right? But it's not like common. Yeah, I actually, like where I grew up was kind of like the Bible Belt of, of Norway. Norway. Yeah. So. But it's not why, common. You know, it's like Lutheran, like they grow up Lutheran Christian. You oh, know? really? Yeah. So it's, you know. In we Norway? Have a, we have a cross in yeah. our flag. Yep. You know, it's part of Norway's history, but. Nowadays, you know, it's what's it, is it, what's it like more? It's more is it more atheistic or? I would I would say so. Yeah, I would say so. Because like, what about Sweden? Are they similar? Okay, but maybe more atheistic. Interesting. More, that's yeah. that's very Norway's interesting. more Christian. Got it. Got it. Okay, yeah, I would say. So they take you in, and then that led to a whole group of things. And you have to, guys, you're gonna have to get the uh, podcast to, to hear the rest of the story. But she got involved with ministry at a very young age. God put a call on your heart, and you, that led you to uh, doing. You saw the red light district in Amsterdam that changed your whole world. Then you ended up going to the favelas down in Brazil, and you started. Uh, uh, you worked with some nonprofits. You started a nonprofit called uh, Slave to Nothing, which still exists. You're the founder. Passport to Freedom. Sorry, Passport to Freedom. Yeah. You've, you worked with so many yeah, nonprofits. I know. Passport to Freedom, you're the founder of still today. Mm-hmm. And you actually built um, uh, a facility down there um, for uh, a community center that you're, you're going to go see down there in the favelas, which is an amazing accomplishment. You did it in six years instead of 10 years. And um, then you were working with Zoe, mm-hmm. part of the human trafficking uh, uh, world, awareness world, and rescuing uh, children. But then what was the transition from there to Slave to Nothing? How'd that look like and why did you decide to leave? Yeah. So, you know, I was with Zoe for seven years. And throughout that time, you know, I, when you're – when I started with Zoe, we were a pretty like small nonprofit. It's grown a lot the last couple of years. Yeah. And so like we were working at a garage when I started, just a small little team and then we just God bless we grew. And during that time, I was wearing many hats. Yeah. You yeah, know, exactly. how you do in nonprofit Absolutely. work. And so I was like always looking for ways to get Zoe to grow, like get people involved. Mm-hmm. And so um kind of through mutual friends and actually through through you too you started sharing me about hey Lindsay's starting some new initiatives and things like you should look into it Mm -hmm. and so I did and I was like whoa this is really cool like they're actually wanting to fund nonprofits fighting human trafficking right that's Zoe and at that time we were really getting involved with LA County Mm -hmm. and wanting to help with Department of Children and Family Services and probation and started doing a lot of work locally in L.A. And so I contacted them and was like, hey, I'm from Zoe. I would love to show you guys what we do and see if there's alignment. And so I met the first executive director through Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And then they funded us the first year. Slave to Nothing funded Zoe. And so I was, you know, cultivating a relationship, getting to know some of those people. And throughout time, they're like, hey, we're looking for someone who's, you know, in the anti-trafficking movement, understands that world to join our team. And so it was just the right timing. Mm -hmm. You know, me and Sierra, we've been married for 14 years. Wow. 
And we just kind of come to that time where we're like, okay, we're ready to start a family. And what I was doing with Zoe was that they'd started um, to do contract work with L.A. County where we would be first responders. So meaning whenever they identify a youth that's a victim of human trafficking, you would essentially be on call. And you had 90 minutes to respond, to meet up with law enforcement, social workers, to be kind of the advocate for the child. And so I was doing those on calls. And when you have little kids and you have a baby, your whole mindset and your life changes so much. Where I was like, I love doing this. And I think, too, you know, I needed to learn straight from the youth what trafficking was like in the United States. Right. Because I could read about it and whatnot. But if I'm with the youth, like literally like. I have a youth in my car. She's pregnant. She's now puking in my car. Mm -hmm. She's cussing me out one second, thanking God for me the next second. You know, you're dealing with people with trauma, right? Right. And I needed to be up close to understand the issue and understand how to help these youth. Mm -hmm. So for a season, I was doing that. And I knew that season was going to come to a close at some point. Um, But it was kind of through different things, through my husband deciding to change some of his work and his focus and, you know, dealing with some of his his things and his past. And then me kind of being like, okay, now my whole worldview has changed because of my children. Mm -hmm. I want to be there for my children. And this opportunity, kind of all of the pieces kind of came together. And because I'd known about Slave to Nothing so long, I loved the idea of being able to learn about the issue from a larger scale. Mm -hmm. So because I'd been working, you know, I'd been international, done work. I would take, I would actually lead mission trips to Thailand for Zoe. I was working with the county. I was doing a lot of different things, but I was like, whoa, people in Texas, people in other places have been doing this work for however many years and there's so much I could learn from them so you know part of what I do with Slaves to Nothing is that I get to go out and meet organizations like meet founders executive directors of organizations who saw a need in the community decided to do something about it started an org and get to learn how they help people Mm. and so I was like I'm so ready for this new phase of like gaining more knowledge and understanding of Mm. how to fight the issue how can we you know make a dent into this global, large-scale issue. Like, how do we do that, right? Mm-hmm. And part of Slave to Nothing seeing this, like, create solutions to end human trafficking. And I was like, I want to be a part of mm-hmm. creating solutions. And knowing just the umbrella of In-N-Out Burger, the amount of funding that we would be able to put to the right people mm-hmm. just excited me. And so I was like, okay, this is perfect for this next That season. is amazing. So what So what else um, – so what do you guys exactly um, – what are some things that you guys love to do over at uh, Slave to Nothing for um, – or what are some initiatives, I guess, that you guys have been working on right now? Yeah. So um, for those who don't know or may not have seen our campaigns, we do a campaign every January mm-hmm. in our stores. Like in our drive through you'll see information, just learning about human trafficking, learning – Awareness and then how to donate, how to get involved to mm-hmm. Save to Nothing. Um, and then in October, which we're in right now, right. you know, it's Substance Abuse Awareness Month. So we have our mm-hmm. campaign in stores and we do our big Rock to Freedom. This is the biggest one we did that we just did at the So that's in October. Festival. So that's every October. So we do two events a year mm-hmm. and we do the 
the campaigns in store as well. Yeah, I was just in in and out, and um, I saw it's the guy. He's in the front. Yeah, the guy, yeah. So he's he's the campaign for this month, and then. That's right, because you guys were doing, um, you have been doing the Rock to Freedom uh, concerts at the House of Blues, mm-hmm. but you took it to a whole nother level, um, mm-hmm. as we were talking about at the beginning of the show, the 75th anniversary at the yeah. um, Pomona Fairgrounds, which yeah. was massive, mm-hmm. massive concert, huge turnout, sold out, mm-hmm. amazing. So it's 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 awesome to see what you guys are doing. And you know what, you've learned all this stuff just for, through your career of going and meeting with all these different people and being hands-on in all these different countries. So the, the knowledge you have bringing mm. to the table, it's, it's, it's going to be phenomenal um, for, for In-N-Out mm. Burger to even to have you. I'm just so grateful that, you know, Lindsay says this over that, like, they always knew they were going to fight substance abuse because they had family members that they lost to it. But yes. she, she says, God literally dropped it on my heart to mm. fight human trafficking. Mm. And so just her heart for it. I'm just so grateful to mm. have someone like her mm. who actually practically want to help and like eliminate, create solutions mm. to eliminate human trafficking. Like that's really what drew me to it. I was like, yes, mm-hmm. let's create solutions. To yeah, that's the difference. It's yeah. creating solutions for mm-hmm. it. And I've, I've been to a lot of human uh, trafficking homes and, and been able to meet with different, uh, I guess. You've been so, connected to Annie. Yeah, some over 18 and then a lot under 18. And, mm-hmm. and the stories, um, and let's talk about some stories now, actually. Um, just the stories of, of these kids, of what they've been through. And it's so different for each kid. Just the, the scenarios, you know, from being adopted and, and pimped out, if you will, or or you know, or just having the parents, um, allowing this to happen, trafficking their own kids or, mm-hmm. or, or just being, um, taken, mm-hmm. you know, or just, there's so many different things. And just as you're, as you're a parent and you grow up and you have kids, you just think there's no way this can happen. I mean, it's worth fighting for. And it's, it's massive. Yeah. It's massive. I mean, it just started coming around more mainstream, like, mm-hmm. you know, in the 2000s, like we were talking about, yeah. but it is it is horrific and crazy. Why don't you tell us some cool stories of just, and it could be anything because we talk about everything on this show. Um, some some cool stories from some some of your tours. Yeah, well, I just I just when you were talking, I was reminded of the scripture like James one twenty seven. It says like, true spirituality, true religion, mm-hmm. is helping orphans and widows in distress and to not be corrupted by the world, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I just I think that's been a guiding scripture for my life. And so um, just all of the things I'm doing, kind of I was that child that was yep. left. You know all the things and like how can we help? more people who've been abandoned how can we uh bring in those people and and show them about who created them and why they're here right um so yeah so some stories yeah i have so many stories from all different i think brazil just i have such a special place in my heart for brazil and Again, it was a place where I understood the large-scale issue of human trafficking. Yeah, because I saw it so openly, um, especially yeah, especially with the young boys carrying like the rifle guns, and then you know the girls having to kind of they were under multiple drug lords. They had you know all the different women that they were lording over, you know to to either like have kids with or that they were selling, and you know all the things. Crazy stuff, huh? It. You can't unsee it, right? Once you see it, you can't unsee it. And I always say, then it's your responsibility. What are you going to do? Right. And it's, you know, human trafficking is such a 
big issue to where it's like I always have to come back to let's help one person at a time. Right. Let's introduce God's love one person at a time. Right. You know, that's what right. we can do. One at a time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Because re- if not, it's too overwhelming. Yeah. It's too overwhelming. They say like, you know, 50 million or yeah, 50 million with um, child brides. That's what they say. Human trafficking say 24 million, you know, purely human trafficking. And so, yeah, when you see those numbers, you get overwhelmed. But when you focus in on the one, you know, when I was carrying a caseload, it was like the one girl at the time. Right. How can I love her? How can I introduce God's love to her? Um, So, yeah. But. Yeah. So tell me. Okay, so tell me a story of when you were in the um, Brazil. Mm -hmm. Okay. so the first assembly we took like you know skaters the whole thing in there and in the favelas in the favelas we're doing we're doing an assembly so we're doing an assembly in the morning and then we're going in the school or in the city or it was like it was kind of like a school Mm. like a community center type thing yeah um and so we would do an assembly in the morning and we're going to go back home and then come back for an afternoon assembly so we did our assembly in the morning it was cool whatnot and then the next afternoon we come back and we just see this one like you can tell like he's a drug lord he's not stoked he's carrying a gun in his hoodie he walks into our assembly and he's just standing there like watching everything and then he starts asking us about this one person so we had this bmx rider from new york he was amazing guy he was also a photographer and so he'd been taking photos during the first assembly and he was convinced that he took photos of him you know and as like a drug lord trying to not get caught or whatever he was well, yeah. getting paranoid yeah, right of course and so he's like so he's looking for this bmx rider well the bmx rider's tire got flat the last assembly so he decided to stay back if not, he probably would have gotten shot. He would have got shot. Right? Yeah. So he, this guy is like, where's this guy with the camera? He's like looking. He's asking all our staff, like, where's the BMX rider? Where's the dude? And so we're like, we, like he's not here. you know. And he's like, oh, I need to see him. I need to see him. And we see. The gun. He, we know he has a gun, you know? And then he's like, oh, like, I just bowed my head to, to the demon of the favela. Like, he said, I got the strength of a lion. And just talking what? all this. So he he went and said he served a demon every morning he would go and pray to this demon and that's how he got his strength and his his like whatever to kill people oh my god yeah so he's in our assembly and we're like okay everyone's at alert right yeah 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 (laughs) it's a gun right yeah so everyone's like hey let's pray there's someone with a gun everyone's praying but we're doing our thing during the time when they're preaching the gospel this guy, you see his whole demeanor change. You see him being like, what? There's a God who loves me? What? And so he goes up for prayer. No. Yeah, he goes up for prayer at the event. And so our leaders are talking with him, whatnot. And then they're all like, he still has a gun. And, you know, there's still other yeah. people like watching from the outside right, a little bit right. more. Right, like, guys. Yeah. And so, because he was the drug lord of the favela, right? So, Oh, so he was the actual... Yeah. Whoa. He was the that's, leader. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. So we all like got in like got in our bus because we had a bus that we would take into the favela. We all got in our bus and our leaders go, hey, let's pray like this guy, like God's doing something in him. Obviously, like he came up. And so we're all in the 
in the bus and still had alert because we know, you know, he still a gun people, around. <laughs> he still got a gun. And our leaders just start talking to him. I'm telling you, eyes rolling. Rolling back in his head. In his head. Yeah. And he's quoting scripture. He's being, like, he was demon-possessed. Demon-possessed. And they were like, okay, everyone pray right now. We're standing in the bus. We're, like, I'm, like, so where, low where, where's he at at this point? Out. So he's with our leaders. So he's right outside of the outside bus. Outside the bus, and you guys are all in the bus. We're all in the bus because of, like, safety or whatever. Yeah, of like, So we're in the bus by this time. The assembly kids. was done. People had left. You know, they started talking with him because he came up and was like, hey, I want prayer, right? So they just kept talking with him. They brought all the leaders, started praying for him, all this stuff. And he was wearing a black hoodie. So he was like covering his face kind of a little bit. They're saying his eyes are rolling back. Like we walked past him to get in the bus and you could just tell this guy, like he is, yeah, like full on. So they're praying for him. And all of a sudden he takes off his hood. It's like when he finally surrendered. And you could see his whole eyes, like his everything changed about him. The trippiest thing. So I'm at the back of the bus, Mm -hmm. standing there just praying for him, right? All of a sudden I see this black, like it's a shadow basically, Mm -hmm. of this person that looks exactly like him that I didn't, showed up out of nowhere, is basically just walking up. And it's the minute he took off his hood the demon left and I saw no way and I saw the person so people tell me oh demons don't exist da, 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 da. I'm like you can't ever convince me that yeah. they not I'm like I've seen the spirit world yeah I, I know what I saw and I saw the demon leave I've seen I've uh, I've seen a black shadow of a demon in, in my testimony in my room yeah yeah they yeah. uh yeah they um some people have seen them and it's real. Yeah. And God sets people free. Mm-hmm. That is sketchy. Yep. So that that so that was exciting. Uh trip to the favelas. Everyone's <laughs> like, oh my gosh. That dude, that BMX guy could have would have been done mm-hmm. for sure. Cause he he came in angry ready, you know? Yeah. He, he All right. Well, we have seven more minutes. Um can you think <laughs> of uh do you have any stories? Uh you went to Thailand? Do you have any uh stories from there? What I mean, I know we talked a little bit about the traffic there, um, mm-hmm. or even here, or, or any other uh, cool stories of, of people getting delivered and yeah, the right track. I know there's so many. Whenever yeah. people ask me, I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, hold on, let's figure it out. Yeah, you know, I I guess in a different realm, like yeah. the work that Zoe does. Like, yeah. there's so many powerful stories. Like, there's one that you could watch on YouTube if we want. We created like a testimony video oh, cool. out of it. It's called Whispers on the Street. Yep. And it was basically um, that you know these kids they were part of a begging ring at in in Thailand. So they would send out, and this is like the craziest thing. They would actually drug babies to look like they were sick. To be able to get more money. So no way. So it's like you see this oh poor gosh. woman on the street or this young girl holding a baby. The baby's like drooling and like looks like ill, right? Drugged. So it's not her baby even. It's just how can they get money out of people that the trafficker that they Dude, want. it's so sick. You don't even think about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. This is disgusting. So there, you know, th- that's. This girl, this young girl, was a part of this trafficking right. ring of begging. So they were beggars on the street and, you know, life on the street. Yeah. All the other things as well. Um, but so she uh, was working this one section of, 
of the of the city and then she heard rumors because all the kids would kind of whisper to each other because they obviously knew like we need to get out of here but they didn't know where they were they she didn't speak the language so they were from another village another town trafficked yeah in. trafficked yeah. in um and so it, i think she was from burma actually and so she's in there she, the kids are talking among each amongst each other and they're like oh there's actually going to be police coming here and like normally the traffickers would tell them you know they're going to harm you they're going to put you to jail you know yep. do all these things so the kids weren't wanting to engage with law enforcement but they were whispering they were like someone might be able to help help us you know and then they had heard some other kids talking about there's this place called zoe that helps kids like us and so you know they were doing their thing and the traffickers told them don't go to this part of the city and she was like i'm gonna go to that part of the city and she right. did and zoe was there and she was rescued wow. and but at that time, she'd been talking with some of the other kids, and so she was saying, if I get rescued that night, I'm going to come back and find you. And she did, and so she like came to Zoe and whatnot, and then she said, "I there's this other girl that we need to find. And so through the whispers on the yeah, street, you yeah. know, they uh, were able to find that, that other You know what's interesting as, well. as you're saying? It's an amazing – that's an amazing story. Um, what's interesting is like these kids, they don't – they don't know how to get help because they're, they're trafficked. They're lost in the city. They don't think that, you know, they're, they're being programmed by the traffickers. Don't go to the cops. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it, they can get out, mm -hmm. but they don't know. They're kids. I, well, I know. And they're scared. Yeah. They're scared. They're like, what am I going to yeah, do? Cause yeah. she, if you ever watched that testimony video, she, she talks about being beaten, you know? Oh, be, yeah. All the things like it's violence, it's coercion, all the things to make them stay. I just cannot believe that this and, and you know it's not even over there it's here too mm -hmm. in America yeah in America there was a big uh over here um I heard there's a big old uh sting right here at mm -hmm. the at the Pomona Fairgrounds yeah. at the hotel big operation they, yeah. they were bringing in um all the they were saying they're bringing in all these refugees and planting them there mm -hmm. and it turned out that it was a huge human trafficking thing mm -hmm. that is insane 10 minutes yeah. from here yeah amazing and it's gone offline so much you know like uh, or to online. To online, yeah. And so a lot of people now are getting coerced through social media, mm -hmm. through all these different platforms. Like they're buying and selling our kids. And you know what platforms. they're doing is that it's not even just for sex. It's for organ um, organ, organ harvesting mm -hmm. as well. I was just in actually uh, – I was in Peru mm -hmm. uh, a couple of weeks ago. And they said in Trujillo it was a huge city for human trafficking. Mm -hmm. Actually organ harvesting – they kidnap mm -hmm. kids all the time there, and they, they take their organs and sell them on the black market. And I was just there. It was a huge, huge city, uh, a huge city thing, mm -hmm. which was mind-blowing mm -hmm. in, that, in that city. And it's all over the world, but this is why we got to let people know about Jesus. And as they fall in love with Christ, they got to get that call that God's called them to go out and reach into the community at whatever aspect. God has a unique call for everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, you guys heard this is Hannah Feller's uh, uh, story, but we all have our own story and we all have our own call, how God's going to use us. Some might be, some might just uh, have an amazing job where they could financially fund and send. Mm -hmm. Maybe you have a program where you could disciple and train people to go. Um, or maybe you just want to get out and be one of those ones sent and, and go. I, I like being, I like being one of, those, one of those ones on the front lines going out and, and, and doing it. So 
Thank you for being on. Um, people could find you on social media. They, uh, why don't you give us uh, the websites for, for the nonprofits that you're a part of? Yeah, so Passport to Freedom is just passport, the number two, freedom.org. And it's funny because Slave to Nothing has the number two, two as well. So it's just slave to nothing.org, and you'll learn all about the In and Out Burgers efforts and what we're doing there. And yeah. And Rock to Freedom, they, that's every year. And, and um, you can support by going to In and Out Burger. You know, we yeah. all love In and Out Burger. Yeah. And it's coming to Idaho, so I'm excited about that too. Yeah. It's almost built. I, I drive by it every once in a while and I see it. It's almost done. Hopefully, in the next couple months, it'll be operational. So we're going to see how that goes. That line's going to be crazy. Yeah. Because it's, it's in a big shopping center. Did you go buy it when you were in Idaho? I drove by a couple, I think. Okay. Like they're there's, starting yeah, there. Yeah. There's, there's, Just there. saw like a fence and it's saying like in and out coming soon. It's going to be, it's going to be exciting. Yeah. Well, thank you for being on. It thank was you, awesome. Um, so love, excited to see your, your growth and what God's doing in your life. One day at a time. Yeah. One day at a time. If you guys want to check out the Whosoever's Movement, go to the com and book us to come to your uh, state, your city, your village. We were in the Philippines. We actually went to a village that had no churches, and we went. So we even go to villages, too. So contact us. Go to the Whosoever's. Book us. We have products that you could purchase that support our movement. Um, you could donate. Uh, the most important thing is pray for us that God will open more doors and that when we go in, that God's spirit will be there and draw people to himself. That's the most important thing. All right. I love you guys. Thank you again for being on the show. And we'll be back next weekend. Peace. This has been The Ryan Reese Show. To connect and find out more about Ryan, click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for The Ryan Reese Show. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Hear about how Steve Harvey surprised a dying man on Family Feud with $25,000. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com or search Story Behind on your favorite podcast platform.